Happy holidays, everyone. A quick note before we get started. We're excited to announce that our film, Minimalism, a documentary about the important things, hits Netflix this Thursday, December 15th, 2016, just in time for the holidays. So gather your friends, family, and coworkers and enjoy the film with each other this holiday season. All right, now on to a special holiday episode of The Minimalists Podcast. Enjoy. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. We, you know, we really need to do just a, a uh, an entire episode and nothing but song where we answer people's questions. Because <laughs> or, clearly, as they could tell, our voices are really good. Or we could record our own Christmas album. Oh my goodness. Let's do it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast. This is where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus. And together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to episode number 41. Today we're going to talk about the holidays. Ryan, last night I almost died. Literally almost died. So remember almost three years ago now, you wrote an essay about this. Uh, I think it was called The Day's... After the crash, or life after the crash. Oh yeah, days yeah. after the crash. After was Ryan a short story accident. I wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, there's an essay on our website called "Life After the Crash." About a week before Ryan and I went on this crazy hundred city tour, uh, you were, you where were you? You were up in Canada. Yeah, we uh, we started in Banff, drove over to Vancouver. This was all during the winter. It's like when we got to Vancouver and told people. It was people, January. Yeah. We told people. The like, worst time to drive <laughs> it, it, from, from Banff. Yeah, we told people we drove from Banff, and the, even the Canadians were looking at us like, you guys are nuts. But we made it totally safe. Did you yeah. have snow tire? You have a yeah, Toyota Corolla. St- stud- well, it was it was Mariah's car at the time. I think she oh, had a Chevy right. Malibu. It doesn't really matter, but she did have snow tires. Chevy Malibu is the equivalent, uh, American equivalent of a Toyota Corolla. Right, right? pretty much. <laughs> but, uh. But yeah, we were actually coming back. We were in Washington, about two hours west of uh, Spokane, and it was not that bad. It was just a little slushy out, like nothing compared to what we were uh, driving in in Canada. And uh, yeah, it was just a little slushy. Some kid and his girlfriend were driving, lost control, like uh, basically got right in front of us, and we ended up T-boning them because we had no choice they just like literally just came from one lane and then were sideways right in front of us right they they were sighted not you yeah yeah and then uh they drug us into the ditch and yeah the car flipped it was nuts man thank god we were in our seatbelts yeah like you, that. you flipped over i mean could have died yeah and it put a lot of stuff in perspective for me i remember when that happened man mm-hmm. i was so sh- shocked i was actually in spokane at the time uh i remember getting some call from you and you're like you know we might need a ride i don't know what's happening and and man it was it was so freaky because I mean, the adrenaline from something like that is... It's nuts, man. It's unbelievable. So yeah. I experienced something similar last night. Wow, what happened? We man? were out Christmas tree hunting. Yes. We went. We, we drove down the Lolo, Lolo National Forest, and so you start going down these roads that... Uh, the, ro- the, the term road is used very loosely here. Now, I have a four-wheel drive vehicle, mm-hmm. and, and so we, we drove up just fine. It was me and Bex and Ella, 
and you, you park and you, you get this $5 Christmas tree permit. Uh, License, yeah, whatever, yeah. yeah. It's a permit. You have to put it on the tree when you put it on your roof or whatever yeah. so they don't think you stole it. And uh, so we went and we finally, like, found a tree. It took us a couple hours to find a good one for the living room. And we're driving back down the, the mountain or the hill or whatever. It, down the, you know, it's a decline. And as we're driving, it just turns into ice. And it's more ice. And oh I don't have God. chains in my car because I'm like, and I'm like, I didn't expect. I mean, it's, oh, it's not even that snowy out. Um, and at, so we got up just fine, but on the way down, I started sliding. And there's obviously no guardrails or anything like that. And I started sliding into a creek that was maybe a six-foot drop-off. Oh, my God. En- enough to certainly flip the car. I mean, a six-foot drop-off. We're, I don't know, a couple feet from completely flipping the car. Good grief. And um, so Bex got out of the car, and we started putting, like, sticks and twigs and stuff in the road because we were far away from being anywhere there's no cell service at all where we were oh my god and and so not only did we almost flip into the creek but we wouldn't have been able to call anyone either and it's dusk because it's like 4 30 and 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 so it's getting close to dark and it's freezing outside and ella you know she's three years old so she can't stop like talking and What's that sound? And 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 you know, just doing everything a three year old would do, mm-hmm. and driving me crazy because my adrenaline's through the roof. And it's not her fault; it's just me, like trying to to deal with this situation. And we pulled the floor mats out of the car and used those on top of the ice. And we finally found someone who was in a uh, uh, da- down toward the bottom of the hill or the mountain or whatever. We found someone who had some chains. And use those to get get away from this ice that was literally drifting the car into man. wow yeah so we we have this Christmas tree on top of the car and and uh, we're getting ready to just drift into this creek and man it was terrifying um, but talk about punctuating an otherwise nice experience like it it was it was a great experience for us to go out and do this Christmas tree hunting yeah. although lesson learned. Make sure I have some chains with me if I'm going to go do that again. We did it last year, but we did a completely different area where there it, that wasn't necessary at all. Yeah. Uh, so next time, you know, maybe do it somewhere different as Isn't well. Isn't it weird, like living in the Pacific Northwest and like you just? I have had a lot of strange lessons like that of terrain and making sure I have the proper attire. And yeah, it's crazy, man. You don't well, I'm glad that. you're safe. I'm glad that you and Bex and Ella Sandwich. <laughs> Is uh is safe. Yeah, well, thank you. I... Is safe. Are safe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so am I. I'm, I. And man, I tell you, it was it was terrifying. I, if you see my car right now, like, uh, the interior is a total mess. There's like pine needles and stuff everywhere. And you know me and and my OCD ways. Like everything drives me crazy. But we had to use the floor mats to drive out on. And wow. so. Um, man, it was quite the experience, the holiday experience. So Jeezle Pete. It's a holiday I won't forget, <laughs> that's for sure. Wow. My adrenaline still feels up quite a bit. So uh, today, let's talk holidays. We have a voicemail. Sweet. We have, a, uh, we have a few of them here. Our first question is from Emily in Austin, Texas. I am having a hard time getting into the, quote, holiday spirit this year. Uh, normally... I feel loved and thankful and upbeat during the holidays, but this year we won't be traveling to see our family. There have been some health issues this year, a recent death in the family. How do you two get into the holiday spirit, especially while avoiding conspicuous consumption? Well, I'll tell you what, Emily, and I'll tell you too, Josh. 
Tell me. <laughs> Pumpkin pie always puts me in the mood, man. <laughs> in, in what mood? The holiday mood. Oh. The holiday spirit. <laughs> so that's a good way. Or maybe, maybe it was some sort of kink you had. It's, may- that's, that's cool, too. Maybe some hot cocoa with a cinnamon stick in it. That's always a good treat on the holiday season. But no, uh, I, I think it's a really good question. I remember, I think the one of the uh, I don't uh, one of the one of my favorite experiences as a kid, like growing up, um, when I started to be able to kind of do holiday stuff, uh, like when my mom and dad split up, my mom kind of started celebrating Christmas. She took me to in in Cincinnati. They have this thing called Holiday and Lights, mm-hmm. and it's like just like these really awesome Christmas lights where you know they just do different Is that things the zoo? with them. It's, yeah, at the yeah, Cincinnati yeah. Zoo, it's really really beautiful. But uh, but not only that, we would drive around and look at other people's decorations, uh-huh. and like I always loved doing that, man. Like just going around and kind of seeing how other people uh, would decorate their homes and put a lot of time and effort into it, and just some like beautiful beautiful uh, decorations. Um, you know, mom didn't have to do that at home. Uh, we didn't have to put up a ton of decorations ourselves to do that. We could totally enjoy, um, other people's decorations, but you know, of course the old saying is true too, Emily, it is better to give than receive. So find ways you can give this, this Christmas Mm -hmm. or this holiday season, find people who you can help get into the holiday mood. Cause I, I promise you that if you go out of your way to, uh, give your time to your community and help them get into the mood, it will by default help you get into the mood too. So there's a a few recommendations I thought of. You know what? I, I totally agree with the, the giving, piece and it reminds me this morning i i logged on to givewell.org and they have their top charities we've, we've talked about them before and i gave uh in other people's names for the holidays uh, uh this time around and so instead of just you know donating on behalf of myself or whatever uh donated as a gift for for someone else and so uh, that allows them to also see the progress of what's going on with their gift uh, that you you gave them so if you are uh, buying uh, malaria uh, mosquito nets to, to help prevent malaria somewhere, then then the person that you're donating on behalf of gets an update and they're able to then you know, see the progress as opposed to that that necktie you got them or or whatever else. So totally agree with that. The other thing, the only other thing that I, I would would mention is that um, if you're having trouble getting into the holiday spirit, figure out what your triggers have been in the past. So like mm. Ryan said, often it's just Christmas lights or or, or some pumpkin pie, or some pumpkin pie, Christmas trees, cinnamon sticks, whatever, yeah. whatever you're I love, into. Oh, also, too, I love, love, love cheesy Christmas music. Like, mm. pe- it drives people crazy yeah. in the stores. And I, maybe it did when we were in the corporate world. Um, but, like, when I say cheesy, I'm talking, like, William Shatner Christmas oh my type goodness. carols. <laughs> like, the cheesier it is, the better it is for me. Do you remember when we we used to manage some retail stores, and the one in Westchester, Ohio, the the old one there on, on Cox Road, we – I don't think you were working at that store at the time. I think you were at the, the Mason store. But um, we had the Muzak, the Christmas CDs. Mm-hmm. Well, the player got stuck – and, and so uh, we, it wasn't the one that, like, streamed the music. You had to, like, replace the CDs, and they'd give you a new one each month. And so the, the CD player got stuck, and so we were stuck with Christmas music after the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't fix it for months. So it was something like February or March, there was still Christmas music playing. And Unbelievable. It, we just told people we were being very proactive, getting into the spirit earlier that, that year. Uh, no, I think that's great. Uh, so some Christmas music is certainly a trick. Figure out what your triggers are. For some people, it might be a pumpkin spice latte. 
I don't recommend that personally because it's just a milkshake that's warmed up. But um, it could be Christmas lights. It could be a Christmas tree. It could be decorations. It's really up to you to determine what your triggers are that get you into the holiday spirit. Find those. And also, uh, last thing is when you're shopping, if you are doing some some Christmas shopping this year, try to go out of your way to support some local businesses if you have the opportunity to do so. Uh, it keeps the, the money in your community, and, and it goes a lot farther in the community when you're supporting your local businesses. Emily, there's an entire gift-giving chapter in our book called Essential. It's an essay collection that Ryan and I wrote over the last five years. We published it last year. The audiobook version just came out uh, last month, and so I'd love to send you an audiobook version of that, or if you'd prefer an ebook or, or print version, we'll send that to you as well. The entire gift-giving chapter, plus there are 11 other, other chapters on minimalism and mindfulness and stuff and decluttering, and etc. So I hope you find some value. Happy holidays, Emily. Our next question is a unique question <laughs> from Teresa over in Seattle. I heard... Um, Joshua mentioned that he doesn't drink, and I'm just curious if that's um, been an outcome of minimalism and um, choosing a different life, or if that predated um, this experience. I live in Seattle, and people drink a lot here, so I'm looking at it for myself. And also, maybe this will fit nicely into any holiday segment you do. You know, we weren't going to include this in this episode, except toward the end, Teresa, you said this might fit well into a, a holiday segment. And I agree that often during the holidays, drinking is amped up and, and in fact, often encouraged, whether it's the increased number of commercials, especially with football seasons on and you see nothing but beer commercials and uh, on on. While you're watching football games, or or if um, you're like going through the store, dude, they got the seasonal beers. Uh, yes. Like, here's our seasonal wine. Here's our season. Here's Sam Adams seasonal pumpkin, which is horrible beer in my opinion. By the way, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're saying, man. So, uh, is my not drinking a result of minimalism, or did it predate my brand of minimalism? Uh, so, yes and no. I mean, I've I've never had a drink in my life, and I likely won't ever have a, a drink in my life. But that really has to do with my childhood. I, I grew up in a household where my my mother was an alcoholic, and she started drinking when she was 40 years old. So I, I was four at the time, and our life changed considerably for the worse after that. We were poor. We were on government assistance. And I associated a lot of discontent with alcohol, alcoholism in particular. And, and so that is deeply embedded in me. But also, I know I have a, a very addictive personality. And so if I'm going to get addicted to something, I'd rather it be writing or creating or, or doing something that is, is valuable to me and, and creates value for other people as opposed to uh, uh, pacifying myself drinking. Because I also know that I am more predisposed to be addicted to something like that. I mean, if I if I started drinking now, you just might never hear another podcast because I will just keep keep drinking until I <laughs> can't function. Yeah, I would not be a functioning alcoholic. I I, I wouldn't be able to function, and so I, I decide not to drink. But I also like to have control over my my own uh, faculties. I, I suppose I, I like to have control over my my mind and my body, and I don't need the the social lubricant in order to to be competent in a social situation. And in fact, situations that require a social lubricant 
to seem to me a bit inauthentic mm. because we're trying to bring out our authentic selves under the guise of having this this veil, this veneer of acceptability. Like I'm drinking and so now I'm allowed to say this stuff. I want to be able to say the things that I say. I want my my everyday self to be congruent, right? I want to be congruent my online self to be con- congruent with my with my private self, to be congruent with my public self, to be congruent with my sober self. And if I were to drink, I'd want that person to be congruent with, with who I am now. And so I think I think that's important to 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 realize that if I am if I ever were to drink, which I, I don't anticipate, but if I ever were to drink, uh, I I would want to make sure that there there was a reason that I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, God, man, it's funny because like I remember like going to your house and like either like it was always a crapshoot. Like when we were kids, yeah. Like we walk home from school, like go to your you know go to your house after getting cheeseburgers. And having those as snacks, and then and then going to your house to play Toe Jam and Earl, Sega like Genesis. Oh my God, the good is that your days. recommendation for later today? The, the good added old value. Days. <laughs> yes. But I remember like we would go to your house, and I just remember thinking like either like Josh's mom is going to be home, mm-hmm. and she might just be making dinner. Right. She might be like passed out on the couch, mm. or she may not be there at all. So I remember, yeah, like your experience with with alcohol and and your mom, it was. Uh, it was a big turnoff for you mm-hmm. where I was the exact opposite. Right. It was like for me, alcohol was not a social lubricant as much as that's when, I, you know, people, my mom would have people over and when they would drink, that's when it seemed like, oh, they're having a good time. They're, the grownups are having fun. Yeah, exactly. So I've always associated it with having a good time. And that is why I have uh, always, you know, kind of used alcohol as a pacifier or, uh, or, or yeah, racking up three hundred dollar bar tabs. I mean, that's something that um, you know from a very young age. I looked at. It You're like, saying when you had a pro, like in your twenties, you, you there was a problem. I mean, racking up a three hundred dollar bar right. tab is yeah, like what's the problem? <clears throat> right, right, right. Like, like why uh, having that experience with alcohol is why yes, why when I was um, twenty one, twenty two, when I could buy alcohol, like that is what I did a lot. Right. And I have, like, significantly decreased my mm-hmm. alcohol intake. Um, but I will say, like, I, I was just uh, up at, in Flathead Lake um, last weekend. We had, like, you know, Friendsgiving. And um, – What is Friendsgiving? Friendsgiving. Well, basically, you just get together. With I wouldn't your, know because I don't have any friends. So <laughs> You get together with a bunch of friends and you have – What are these friends you speak You have of? Thanksgiving after, you know, after Thanksgiving or okay. sometimes it's on Thanksgiving. Like is a it, lot of, a lot I, of times – I don't under, I've, I've heard the term. I'm just unfamiliar. So, so, so Friendsgiving like is – second Thanksgiving? Nah, it's – okay, so there's a couple reasons to have Friendsgiving. Uh, the first reason that I can think of is, uh, for example, I got friends here – who don't have any family in Montana. Right. They didn't fly home for Thanksgiving, so they were literally in Montana on Thanksgiving with no family around to really hang out with. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are uh, – so those friends got together, mm-hmm. and they decided to celebrate Thanksgiving together as friends. Right. So they call it Friendsgiving. Um, the other thing is, uh, okay, so you, you live somewhere, you have family that you spend Thanksgiving with, but you also want to spend time with your friends. So then you have like, yeah, a second Thanksgiving with just friends. That's yeah. typically like the, in that scenario, it typically wouldn't be held on Thanksgiving. Like the, the one we had, like I said, we had it on 
Friday, so it was it was the day after Thanksgiving. That's much better than like waking up at three a.m. to go shopping, <laughs> right? To go shopping, you didn't, that Friday. wasn't your Friendsgiving, yeah. right? But that's a good idea for non-holiday, I mean, other holidays, not for, for not Thanksgiving. Friendsmas, so. <laughs> is is that a thing? I don't think so. Uh, uh, Valentine's Day yeah. for friends. I, I don't know if it's going to translate as much, but. Um, yeah, I think I think it's a great idea, especially because you know people move and they end up in different places. And yeah, like you said, they often don't have family around, and so it's a great way to connect with other people on on that holiday yeah, for and, sure. and be grateful for sure. Yeah, so we were um, we had Friendsgiving over the weekend, and dude, it was there was a lot of drinking going on, and it's like I I will. Um, you know, I would love to sit here and say like, oh, I never get drunk, but you know what, dude? It's like we're hanging out, we're having drinks, and then the next thing you know, it's like, oh man, I'm a little tipsy right now. Mm. You know what? I don't have any responsibilities to do tomorrow. I'm just gonna go ahead and have another drink. So for me, like that's that is how alcohol works for me. It's like this. It, I don't it, it, I don't use it to run or to hide. It's more of like when I get that relaxed feeling, mm-hmm. then I'm like, oh, man, if I had a beer right now, I'd even be more relaxed. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I have to lo- look out for mm-hmm. uh, personally. So so when you when you have that trigger that if I had this, then I'd be even more – then you realize, okay, maybe there's there's a problem. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's not and, – and I don't you know see alcohol as a problem in my life right now with the exception of it's just not healthy really. I mean mm. – I mean, yeah, Calor- there are empty calories. Yeah, there are articles out there like, you know, a couple glasses of wine may be healthy. And that might be true. Um, but, you know, if I have a couple glasses of wine every single day, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to want to have more than probably just a couple glasses of wine. So for me to like drink every day mm-hmm. is not, um, it's just not conducive to the way I want to live my life. It's definitely not conducive for my health. So, so there is this like ba- this line that I feel like I ride when it comes with with alcohol. That's why I brought up that um, it was a couple podcasts ago that book uh, How to Quit the Drink Easy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because Mariah and I have been talking about for health reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a, a horrible like gut issues, um, you know, microbiome stuff mm-hmm. that that isn't in alignment uh, in her gut. And alcohol, if she drinks more than like just a couple of drinks, it really hurts her. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, like if I like over the weekend, um, I don't know how many drinks I had, but like Monday morning, I woke up and I had like you know like the rosy red cheek. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, like my my scalp was really dry. Uh-huh. So there are these adverse effects that um, that yeah, I, I, I uh, we have definitely been you know kind of flirting with cutting it out. But I guess you know when it comes to alcohol in general, I would just say. Like no, alcohol is not the devil. Right. Uh, but if it is something that you have in your life that uh, is a pacifier and it is having um, an adverse effect, meaning that it is it is a net negative in your life, then it certainly is something that you know some you know people should stay away from. So during the holiday season, uh, yeah. If if <laughs> first off, don't feel pressured to drink. But if you're someone who has you know an issue with alcohol then, uh, like, if it was me, I would avoid the situation. Like, if I was really, really struggling with alcohol, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have went to the lake last weekend. Sure. Like, well, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, in, or someone like me, where I, I, it's easy for me to just say, no, I don't drink. And, and that's, yeah. that's the end of the story. And even if you are, even if you drink uh, sometimes, you, you can say, no, I don't drink. And because you're not drinking right now. And that's not a lie if you're, if you're not actually drinking right now. Mm-hmm. So if, if it is posing some sort of problem or if it's just it sounds like Teresa, it's raising a red red flag for you and this is where i said no it's not about minimalism for me but somewhat is ryan on the last episode talked about 
what is minimalism really? It's the intentional use of your resources, right? You're using your resources more intentionally. And so one of those resources might be your health or your time or your attention. And and if you are being very deliberate with, with those things, it m- might mean that you don't want to drink right now because it is occupying a, a space in your brain that you don't feel you don't feel that it should be occupying and it has raised a red flag for you. And if that's the case, then yeah, you can give it up. I mean, I do these experiments all the time with other things that I give up, whether it's internet at home or a cell phone or television, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of them revolve around technology. Sometimes it's around having a car or whatever it may be. You can do that with anything in your life to see whether or not it's adding value. It's not depriving yourself of of something that's vital, what you're doing is removing it so that if you do bring it back in, you can do so more deliberately. Uh, Teresa, in our book, Everything That Remains, the whole first chapter kind of talks about our childhood growing up and 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 in that situation. Uh, I was going to read a little bit, but there, it's it's a, a long snippet, so I, I won't do that here. But Teresa, I'd love to send you either an ebook version of that or or the print version of our memoir, Everything That Remains. It was really about the the first or the last five years of our lives going from these suit and tie corporate guys to to becoming the minimalists. But to set that up, we had to sort of talk about our our troubled past and go to a lot of detail of our childhoods and teenage years, et cetera. So I hope you find some value in that book, Teresa. Dude, I was just thinking. What's that? When I was – so when I got divorced at like 22, Uh I moved in with one of my friends. We were roommates. And – we drank every single day. And I was just thinking about the amount of alcohol we consumed. It was a case it was at least a case of beer each every single day. Like that what? it was unbelievable, man. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's it's uh yeah. Well, my my doctor crazy. Uh, uh said, you know, it, he said to me that if you have and I don't know what the actual stats are on this or uh, People may disagree, but my medical doctor said that if you're drinking four times a week, two or more drinks, that's what they consider to be an alcoholic. Oh, okay. So four times a week, two or more drinks a day. Now, how do you define drink? Is it the big gulp from Seven right. Eleven? I think it's eight ounces of of alcohol. Whether, it, but with wine, I would assume it'd be less than that. Right, or like liquor four ounces, an ounce. way less. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Whatever the serving size is would right. be one drink. So if you're doing four times a week, two or more drinks, uh, that is the line that they determine for alcoholism, and and so maybe maybe think about that as well. Uh, we have another question here. This one is from Sarah in Canada. With regard to the holidays, my family's carried on with some traditions that I don't feel add much value to my life anymore, like buying lottery tickets as stocking stuffers and making 10 different kinds of cookies to eat when one or two would be plenty. And I was wondering if you had any suggestions on how to broach a conversation with them about changing those deeply rooted family traditions that have been going on for almost 30 years. Sarah, you know... Yeah, this is a tough one, right? Like you, you go to someone's place, they give you a bunch of gifts or, you know, they here, take all these leftovers and it feels really, really bad to say no. You know, she, her question was how to kind of start that conversation. I know that I've started that conversation a lot and the, and the best way to do that first off is to show someone and, and tell someone how much you appreciate them, whether it's a friend or family member, you know, explain how much you do appreciate their sentiment. You do appreciate their attention. Uh, you love them very much. But 
you know, when they have certain actions, uh, for example, at the holidays when they are making a bunch of cookies and giving a bunch of stocking stuffers, that, that you feel overwhelmed when you're around things like that. And explain to your family member how it would really, really help you enjoy the holiday more if you didn't have to participate in every uh, in every single event, and and if you and, and if you didn't get as many gifts, or if you weren't forced to take home as as many uh, as much food or leftovers or whatever, and and that that uh, that 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 helps a lot. Uh, just kind of having that conversation, um, and I t- I know I talked about this on the podcast or two ago as well. Whenever you are having conversations like this, don't ever use the word you in a negative way. Anytime you use the word you, it's I love you, I appreciate you. And then when you want to talk about something negative like uh, the holidays are overwhelming, then put it on yourself. I feel overwhelmed during the holidays and I really need some support. And usually family will react well to that. And, you know, as I was like kind of thinking about this um, response to her voicemail, I thought, well, so I go to a family member and I say, hey, I feel really overwhelmed. It would really help me enjoy the holidays more if I didn't participate in this stuff. Well, the family member could come back and say, well, it would really make my holiday better if you did participate. Right. So it's like, what do you do in that situation? Well, I think in that situation, um, you can find a common ground, meaning that you both want to enjoy the holidays. So how can you come to maybe a compromise to mm-hmm. um, to the holidays? So in in – or a compromise for the holidays. So with Sarah's example, you know, maybe it's, okay, can you please just pick one? Either, you know, give me a million different cookies or, you know, go ahead and give me lottery tickets in the stockings, but please don't give me everything. Right. Yeah, and, and I think it's important to to note here that some traditions are fairly innocuous. Baking cookies is an innocuous tra- tradition. Yeah. The Where it becomes problematic is us eating a bunch of cookies, right? I mean, you, you it may be very difficult for you, you to get me to eat even a cookie at this point, uh, because I'm so focused on on my health, that just it wouldn't align with my values. Uh, and and so, no, I, I won't step outside of my values to eat a cookie to appease someone and their tradition. I will thank them if they give us cookies and 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 you know say thank you and and, and be grateful for the the gesture because they're attempting to in some way add value to my life. But I also think it's important to notice that or to to note that uh, traditions are by definition not flexible because they are a tradition mm. and it can be a very long-term tradition but also keep in mind that you can you can start new traditions mm. and and so if you're really struggle, stru- struggling with the existing traditions then the best way is to not say get rid of these traditions or what are the new traditions that you can bring into your life and so I talked about Christmas tree hunting. Like, that's a new tradition that I've started. I, I, I never did that. It, it took 34 years of my life before I ever went uh, Christmas tree hunting, which first time I went was last year. And, and you know, since then, of course, I'll, I will continue to do that, hopefully in a more safe way next year. Yeah. But there are other traditions that you can start as well. What is it hiking or building snowmen or snowball fights? So that's the other thing we did yesterday when we were up on the mountain is uh, Ella loves like throwing snowballs at us. She also loves to like make a snowball. She doesn't want us to make it. She, she'll make the snowball, hand it to us and ask me to throw the snowball at her after she's made it. And uh, <laughs> so I have a lot of video of me just pelting Ella with, with, with snowballs. snowballs. Yeah. Occasionally I just stick a rock in the middle of it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm kidding. He's I'm joking. Kidding. Ladies yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but no, you can, yeah. So maybe it's snowball fights. Maybe it's ice skating. You won't get me ice skating. Although that's not true. I, I went, I was 28 or 29 
and, and went ice skating for the first time as an adult. I'd gone a couple times as a kid and almost killed myself several times. So you won't see me ice skating, but I at least tried it. Uh, so you can try new traditions as well. So it could be Christmas movies. Ryan mm-hmm. mentioned the cheesy Christmas music, but I, when I think of this time of year and traditions, quite often I think of all the the nostalgic Christmas movies that I saw from the past. So it's, or you could watch new Christmas movies as well. You know, In fact, one of the traditions I had for a very long time and may even bring it back was I would go to the movies on Christmas Day mm-hmm. after all of the shuffling around. So when I was married, we'd go from... It was not the most optimal experience. We'd like go from from my house. We'd have Christmas. I don't know. Was it brunch? I don't know what it was. Christmas <laughs> brunch, and then we'd have Christmas lunch, and then we'd have Christmas post lunch celebration at at uh, Carrie's family. And you know, we'd go to the three or four places on Christmas Day. But afterward, once all the chaos was over, we'd go see a movie. And I always make sure I thank the people who were working that day and say, "Hey, thank you for being here." Uh, I know that, that it's not the most optimal time for you to be working, and just appreciate the fact that you are here. So start new traditions. I, I don't know if there you have any other traditions that, that come to mind, Ryan. Uh, well, uh, next weekend, Becca's taking Ella skiing with her whole family. Nice. I won't be there uh, skiing because uh, I've tried the whole snowboarding thing, and and um, yeah, my body just doesn't agree <laughs> with, with the laws of physics. I felt so bad when I took you snowboarding. Remember we just ended up getting tubes and like sledding down the hill? That's fun. So that tubing, awesome. that's a good tradition yeah, that, that good anyone one. could do. So especially like uh, kids that may not have the aptitude for skiing um, or yeah. six-foot-two adults that don't have the aptitude for skiing. That, uh, that certainly helps. So find a tradition that is ideal for you and replace some of these old ones. Because like I said, a, a tradition is, is not flexible, but it can't, it, they are replaceable mm. with new, better, more empowering traditions yeah. that you can carry forward into the future. Yeah, and you know, I think one thing too is it's okay to support traditions that you're not 100% on board with. Like, for example, um, I'm going back to the cookies. Uh-huh. Let's say that you know I go to a family member's house, and just like Sarah's, they've always got you know 14 different kinds of cookies out. Uh-huh. It, I don't have to eat those cookies, right? And even if you know, like some are forced upon me to uh, bring home, right? Um, I could always like give those cookies to someone else who uh-huh. would really really enjoy those, um, but. Going through that uh, whole process and experience, you know, going to your your mom or dad and saying, "Wow, this is a really nice spread of cookies." Yeah, you always do a really. These cookies are so beautiful, right? And you know, the cookies that you give me, I'm always able to share those with others, and they really appreciate them. Mm. So, uh, and and I'm just using that, you know, the cookies as an example here, but finding ways to support other people in their traditions that make them happy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's also a good way to kind of help uh, uh, create closer bonds. But you can still abstain, if that makes sense. It does, yeah. And I would say there are some traditions that are more pernicious than others. Right. You know, we're recording this uh, the last day of November. It's gonna. It's not going to post for about two weeks. But we're recording this the, the last day of, of November. And so Black Friday was not that long ago, right? It was, it was what, five days ago yeah, or something. Yeah, it was a week ago. And then there was, what, Cyber Monday. But then there was a really good uh, – uh, yesterday, uh, the, the day before recording this, there was Giving Tuesday, right, which is, which is a new thing. Now, it's weird that we it have, like – It seems unbelievably, like – crazy though like bye 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 okay now it's time to give now, yeah yeah so uh, but how about you we, give we, me a break i'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I, I i think that the tradition of 
of getting up early to go shopping is a tradition that we can replace with something else. So maybe you get up early to do to do something different. You know, the the whole opt-out side thing has been a big thing. Now it is it is promoted by many retailers, so it's questionable as to whether what, what the motives are there. But I will uh, I can tell you places like REI that close on Black Friday. That is, I, I applaud that, right? Because yeah, it was they, awesome. they, they can do the, they could do a lot of business on that day, and instead they they choose not to. And and um, Patagonia, did you see what they did? Uh, no, I've I've seen uh, several things that they've done in the past. What did they do recently? Uh, so they did do Black Friday. Okay, had sales. Mm-hmm. They made over it was over ten million, I think, on Black Friday. Donated one hundred percent of it to charity. Oh wow, that's great. And uh, th- yeah, they're doing some other really cool stuff now. Um, with their their recycling down from old jackets. Oh yeah. So, you know, they they're just a, they're a very intentional uh retailer, you know, which those two words sound like an oxymoron at first, but there are good local businesses, but then there are also some some large corporations, yeah. a lot of B corps as well. Dude, we need jackets in Montana. Yeah, indeed. Indeed we do. And so, yes, you you can you can say no to these other traditions that are you perceive to be pernicious or harmful. Uh, to you, but then the other ones that are innocuous, you can replace with something that you find more meaningful. You know, I just I just had this thought. So you know how we always say, like with your time and resources, you say no to a lot of things so you can say yes to others. Yes. Like in this situation, I think it's the opposite. I think you say yes to as many traditions as you can. Uh-huh. So then you can go to your family members and say, hey, I participate as much as I can, and that kind of gives you leverage to say no <laughs> yeah. to other traditions. Well, it's funny. Becca's dealing with this right now with, with Ella, her family. Um, so, so they do like a sibling gift exchange so they're not all forced because she she's one of four siblings and then mm-hmm. her two parents. And so they're not all for, forced to buy gifts with each other. The six of them just have a sort of exchange where it's a white elephant kind of thing where you get someone's name and you give them a gift. Well, uh, Bex opted out altogether. She's like, yeah, I don't need anything. You know, I'm, <laughs> I don't need any physical gifts. Thank you. But she opted Ella into the gift exchange. Oh, okay. Right? Which was really cool until the entire family pushes back and says, well, we all want to buy a gift for Ella. Oh. And, and so what we're dealing with right now is I said, you know, that's fine. But let's encourage the right kind of gift giving mm. then. Let's 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 put the burden back on the gift giver, the person mm. who wants to give the gift, because we want we want them to feel good about the act of giving. But let's encourage them. Let's steer them in a direction of giving an experience as opposed to a a physical gift. And and so it's all about framing. Instead of saying no, I don't want you to buy a gift for Ella. I mean that that's just bad for everyone. Why not say yes? We can start this tradition of gifting experiences for Ella because she has all the toys that she needs right now. Yeah, it's funny because like people think like kids always need more toys, and kids open a present, they get excited when they see a toy. But really, kids get excited when they open anything. Absolutely, like, I, it doesn't I, have to be a toy. I, I Ella just started chewing gum recently. And she's just getting used to it. Like, she's trying to figure out the whole chewing gum and not <laughs> swallowing it. And she, I tell you, she gets more excited about unwrapping that pack of gum than just about yeah. anything else. I yeah. saw this YouTube video of this kid uh, for his birthday as a joke. Uh-huh. Their family put a banana in a gift bag and put, like, tissue paper on uh-huh. top of it. Yeah, yeah. And they, they were like, okay, this is from all of us. And they handed him the bag. Uh-huh. And he pulls out the tissue paper and he pulled the banana out. And I have never seen a kid 
so excited <laughs> about receiving a banana as a gift. I haven't seen that one, but I did that with Bella on her birthday. It was supposed that's great, but man. not a banana. It was a pineapple. It's yeah. It's supposed to be like this. You know, it, it was supposed to be this joke, uh-huh. like oh, we're gonna make the kid upset, but then we're gonna actually give them the real gift. But it ended up being like this really amazing uh, lesson, and right. like wow, like kids. No matter what they're unwrapping, they're just happy to have the attention. They're happy to have the love. They're happy to have the family around. And it doesn't have to be some amazing, you know, toy that lights up some kind of Voltron thing that I would have wanted for Christmas when I was a kid. Um, Like, it doesn't have to be that, though, necessarily to be a meaningful experience. It was supposed to be a joke, but the joke ended up being on them and their expectations. Right, yeah. And and so, yeah, I think that's important. I'll do that with Ella, uh, all kinds of stuff, like whether it's... So I, she can't read yet, but I'll get her cards sometimes, and then like she'll have Bex read the card to her like a million times because it's strangely more meaningful to her than any, you know, uh, I don't know, Peppa Pig doll that I could get her or whatever yeah. the, the the latest kids' toy is. So is she excited about the pineapple? Yeah, totally. That's awesome. She was more excited about about the balloons that I got her, but she oh, just uh, loves balloons. But yeah, she was totally excited about the pineapple. And like. <laughs> Yeah, you could tell it was a pineapple. It was wrapped up all goofy and like it was in the shape of a pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But you're right though. She loved what she was really excited about was the act of unwrapping yeah. that thing. And she so yeah, she's excited about unwrapping a pineapple or a piece of gum or a toy or experience. Let's let's create those experiences for the kids mm. as opposed to just fulfilling a a cultural expectation. All right, we'd love to hear what you have to say, of course. So if you have a comment about the holidays, including minimalism tips for how you handle the holidays, leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. We'll air our favorite comments and tips on the next episode. And here is a tip for you. Write down your message before you call in. Uh, That'll help you articulate uh, your point, and it will increase your chance of being on the show. Okay. You know what time it is, Millie. What time is it? It's time for hashtag Ask the Minimalist Lightning Round, where we answer questions from social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at The Minimalists and Facebook.com slash The Minimalists. And during this lightning round, Ryan and I do our best to answer each question with just a short, shareable, less than 140-character response. We'll also put the text to these minimal maxims in our show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. All right. Our first question is from Levi. He asks, during holiday events, how do you maximize your contributions to family festivities while being mindful? Well, here's what I would say. I'd say the best way to contribute is to accept support and appreciate your loved ones. Yeah, amen, man. That's uh, totally agree with that. If, if you are, if you're trying to contribute, you have to first understand the person. In order to understand them, you have to do exactly what you're talking about there, Ryan. For me, uh, just three B's for you: be present, be attentive, just be. So if you're going to be there for the holidays, be there, right? And so I, I think that, that's an yeah. important thing to remember. We're, we're not off you know, browsing our our yeah, Twitter streams or, or whatever it may be. Just be there. Yeah, leave be your phone attentive. in the car yeah. <laughs> during the holidays. Absolutely. Hang out with your family, not with your phone. Amen. Yeah, yeah man. Cassie, she writes in, would you please talk about how everyone rushes around, all stressed out, complaining about how busy they are during the holiday season? I hate that. You know, 
Busyness doesn't always equal productivity, and it certainly doesn't always mean adding value. Totally agree. Uh, my, my tweetable response would be, busyness has become a status symbol, but it is a vacuous endeavor. Busy is the foulest four-letter word in the English language. And so, yeah, Ryan, um, this is a time of year where a lot of people do feel busy. I remember back when we, I mean, this was the worst time of year for me mm. a decade ago, right? Because These are like where the 80-hour weeks kicked in for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Minimum maybe, 80 yeah, hours 80, a week. Maybe even more. It was often 100-hour weeks. On Black Friday, I'd work 16 to 18 hours in one day. Mm. And, and so we were in the throes of the holiday shopping season and it was a very stressful time for us, but I know it's stressful for other people for different reasons. If they're not working in retail, uh, it could be because finances are, are tight and we have these expectations and the average person spends nearly $700 a year on, on Christmas and we can't afford to all of us to do that. And so what are we doing? We're racking up debt and trying to pay it off throughout the year. And, and the cycle uh, keeps us busy. It makes us have to work more. It, it focuses our attention in places where we don't want to focus. And so we need to be careful about busy and find a way to be more focused on, on the holidays that are right here in front of us. Carla writes, can you talk about those of us who don't have many friends and family? Loneliness and isolation is real for a lot of people, especially during the holidays. You know, this question like really uh, just made me feel for for Carla um, because yeah, it's it's uh, I I'm as an extrovert imagining being in kind of a vacuum where I didn't have a, a support group or community of people around me like that would really um, yeah it would just be have negative effect on me. But you know, I would say, are you feeling lonely this holiday season? The best way to create a bond with your community is to contribute. Soup kitchens would love your help. So just going out and adding value to the community, uh, that is one way to... Connect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, a few years ago, while we were on, we were on our holiday happiness tour, man, I guess it was four years ago now, uh, and we, so we weren't home for the holidays. We were in Vancouver, Canada, and what we were doing was uh, we got just a group of readers together and brought them all to a, not a soup kitchen, but, but a food bank mm-hmm. and helped work the food bank for Christmas Day. And it was, it was a good opportunity to connect with all those people, but also just to connect with a, a community that needed some help. And so you can certainly do that. Uh, Ryan and I have worked at a lot of soup kitchens or Habitat for Humanity and places like that. And they would love your help, but not just during the holidays. Throughout the year is a great way to connect with others. So if, if you're missing that connection during the holidays, do it now. If you need a connection other times, do it then. Uh, my pithy response for Carla is lonely and alone are not synonyms. Sometimes a crowded place can feel the most alone. So remember that as well. So just because you're around other people doesn't mean that you're connecting to them as well. Uh, a connection takes more than just proximity. Emily asks, how do you decorate your home to look festive without a bunch of stuff? You know, a bunch of stuff or not, I think that's the wrong question. The meaningful question is, what adds the most value to your life, Emily? Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I would just say a simply decorated home is the most elegant home. And uh, to expand on that, I'll just say that, you know, we, we, I've got a house tour coming up on our, our site soon, and Ryan's just posted recently, 
you can take a look at, at our home, and it's it's fairly sparsely decorated, but that makes any of the decorations, whether it's a piece of artwork or the Christmas tree or the lights or the ornaments or whatever, it makes it that seem far more intentional and, and enjoyable because of that. And so while we may not have decorations strewn everywhere, we do have some Christmas lights, we do have a Christmas tree, we do have stocking. You know, we have things that were, were decided on intentionally, but because it's so simple, to me at least, it, it feels like it's the most elegant choice. Yeah, I mean, I, I know people who, like uh, I had an ex-girlfriend whose mom would put out like hundreds of Santa Clauses. Right. Like as many Santa Clauses as she could put out for decorations. Uh-huh. It was gorgeous. Uh-huh. Like she did it in a very intentional way. They were um, throughout the whole house, and it was. I thought it was really, really gorgeous. I think the key there is intention. Then, yeah, right? exactly. She didn't just like go buy a bunch of Santas and drop them on her lawn or something. Right. It wasn't. There was no. Uh, there was no tackiness uh-huh. at all with the decorations like because it was, it was intentional. Because it was intentional. Yeah. So you know, it, it, being a minimalist doesn't mean not having Christmas decorations. Um, it doesn't mean not having, you know, paintings on your walls. It's funny, one of my house tour, like one of the biggest criticisms was, oh, this is unbelievable. He, he, he has stark white walls. I can never live there. And it's like, well, you don't live there. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's funny. Uh, uh, Beck's mom was in town and she came over to the house and she's like, you know, this is just too sparsely decorated for me. And she's like, well, that's okay. Like, I'm not trying to get right. you to live, live live this way. You don't have to have sparse. Well, if you want to put, a, yeah, a bunch of pictures on your walls or a bunch of Christmas decorations, great. I would yeah. just I would just say uh, if you want it to be beautiful, then make sure it's deliberate and you're not just, you know, strewing stuff across your place for the sake of it, you know. Someone asked, Where, where's all your artwork? And I said, it's at the museum down the street. No, I get no. to enjoy it whenever I want. It's really awesome. And they often change it out and I don't have to do any work. Uh, but that said, um, just because I live a particular way, it doesn't mean I'm prescribing it to anyone else. And I think that's where, where people get, get caught up. We have a, a very good minimalist friend, uh, Jessica, Jess Ness. Um, who actually helps us with a lot of our social media, our Facebook stuff. If you see a lot of the, the articles that we post, she goes out and finds articles about simple living and, and simplicity and, and intentionality. Her and her friend Melissa also run a great podcast called The Mind Palace, and um, she's an artist. And so you go to their home, and there's artwork all over their walls. It's it's sparse otherwise uh, in terms of, of, of decorations, but she has a ton of art all over her house, and that's just because that's what she finds the most value in, and that's mm-hmm. great. So can you be a minimalist and have a ton of artwork and Santa Claus figurines? Yeah, if it adds value to your life. And so ask yourself that question. Jennifer writes in, how do you manage holiday schedules with all the potlucks, parties, and get-togethers? Jennifer, party invitations are just that, an invite. You get to decide what you do with your time. Yeah, I totally agree with that, man. Um, I, I think what we get caught up in is letting everyone dictate our schedules, right? And so my, my short answer is say no to almost everything so you can say yes to that which is most important. And so if you're asked to go to a million functions, a million networking events and holiday parties and everything else, say no to everything that you can say no to. So the ones you say yes to you'll get the most value from, and you'll also be able to add the most value to those functions because you'll be present. You will actually be there, and everyone will enjoy your presence because of that. Becky asks, I don't want my kids to believe in Santa Claus. 
How do you keep the magic and fun in the holidays without that tradition? You know, I, uh, I, I don't like, I don't, I'm not a, you know, practicing Jehovah's witness anymore. Uh Um, but I still don't want to like lie to my kids about Santa Claus. Right. So this is kind of like a, a tricky, a tricky subject, but I'm really glad to hear like other people out there besides a religious group is like, you know, intentionally saying, okay, I don't want to lie to my kids. Um, you know, what else, you know, what else, what else can I do to, to, uh, combat that? Um, what, what I would say is it kind of Josh touched on earlier. There's always room for new traditions. What matters most is that your family knows you love and support them. I agree. If I were to add to that, I would just quickly say honesty is the bedrock of the most healthy traditions. Mm, true. So, so you think about Santa Claus. I don't want Ella believing in Santa Claus either. And Becca and I were just talking about this recently because it's that time where other kids around her are, are being told that there's a Santa Claus and... I also don't want her to be the – I don't want her to be you when you were five going around telling everyone there isn't a Santa Claus. Yeah, there's a balance, right? Yeah, and, and, and trying to upset other kids. Just because, and I understand why because it, you're different and you don't want to feel left out, right? Mm-hmm. You want to be significant, but you also want to have this connection with other people. And you don't – if everyone else believes in Santa Claus except your kid, you're going to feel disconnected, mm. and that's not a good thing. And so uh, the balance that, that I found is, yes, we can talk about Santa Claus. Santa Claus is a – for me, it is a, a fictitious character, right? Like, I, I can look at Santa Claus and say, well, that is a, a, a story that's made up, and it's a fable. And I can communicate it the same way to Ella that I would communicate Peppa Pig. She doesn't think Pe- – you probably don't have any idea what Peppa Pig is. I have is. no idea. <laughs> um, it's just like British family of pigs that Ella is obsessed with. And we, we instead of – on Sunday mornings, we let her watch Peppa Pig. Um, and, and so – uh, she believes that Peppa Pig is a story. It's an animated fiction. And I th- I'm okay with her believing that Santa Claus is also an animated fiction. It's just a story. And that's really the way that, that we approach it. And that's, that's the most honest way for me to approach it. It's mm. not depriving her of that story, but it's also not lying to her and saying that some fat man breaks into our house on Christmas Eve and uh, reverse shoplifts under our Christmas tree. Okay, well, now it's time for our added value portion of the show. This is where we each recommend something that has added value to our lives recently. Ryan, I'm going to call an audible here because you mentioned Christmas songs. I have a Christmas playlist on my uh, iTunes or Apple Music, whatever you call it, and uh, one of our favorite musicians finally wrote a Christmas song. His name's Andrew Bell. Uh, he had two new singles come out this year. One's called uh, Dive Deep and one's called You. But then he has this new Christmas song. So we'll put a, a link to that Christmas song in the show notes. It's it's actually a really good song. I didn't even know it was a Christmas song at first until I started listening to the lyrics. Have you heard the Killers Christmas album they put out? No. Dude, it's it's great. It's, is it really? The first song on it is called, uh, I, I don't know if it's called this, but like the chorus is, Please Don't Shoot Me, Santa. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, they it's like a Christmas album from the Killers, like, and they put their twist on it. It's 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 pretty it's pretty good. Yeah, I'll check that. You out. You gotta like the Killers sure. and to like it. I mean, yeah. this it, it ain't no William Shatner Christmas <laughs> carols. Yeah, but what is? And, uh, if you're gonna go to see a movie on Christmas Day or anytime during the holidays, a movie I saw recently I really enjoyed was Moonlight. We it was over at the Roxy, the indie theater here. Uh, it's gotten really good reviews, and rightfully so. I, it was just a gorgeously done three act movie follows his character's life 
uh, a black man who grows up poor in Miami, Florida, and uh, struggles with being a gay kid mm. in in a, a culture that just didn't accept him. Uh, and, and so I found that the movie really compelling. And by the end of it, you know, you kind of feel you feel for his struggles. It, it has very little to do with him being a gay man, and it has just more to do with the struggles of, of humanity. And that happened to be his particular struggle. Uh, my, I got two recommendations this this episode. Um, last night, uh, I had like a it was a small game night. There was only there were only a few of us over. There were only seventeen people at his house. Right? No, there's it was just a few of us, and we were playing this game called Civilization. And it is, if you know how to play, mm-hmm. the game takes like four or five hours to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't know how to play, so we were like four was hours. The first time you played it? Yeah, first time I played it. Uh, we were four hours into it, and we still, we weren't even halfway through the game. What's the object of the game? The object is of the game. to take game, over the world? No, the object of the game oh, is. I don't want to play then. The object of the game is to build a civilization, and uh-huh. there are. And several, then take over the world. There are several ways to win. Whether you dominate certain resources, uh-huh. uh huh. No, I mean, I would. The only the only thing that this has in common with like a world takeover game like Risk uh-huh. is that it's a big map with a lot of pieces, uh-huh. but it has way more rules, and it's not all. It's not about just battling other civilizations. It's about making your own, collecting resources. But that's what's kind of cool about it. It's like because <laughs> the one thing that I hate what happens. Um, during certain games like Monopoly is like I remember when we were kids I don't really play Monopoly anymore but I remember when we were kids like maybe 20% of the time like the board would end up like getting flipped over because you get so <laughs> angry at, totally. at one another for everything um, but with Civilization it's like you are working against each other but it's not in like a direct attacking way so mm-hmm. it's like um, it's more passive aggressive yeah it's more passive aggressive but it's, it's, it's a lot of fun I don't really know how to, I was trying to think like how the heck am I going to explain this game and I really don't know how, but you know, I'm not necessarily recommending civilization. But what I am recommending is that you could potentially buy a board game, something like Civilization, mm-hmm. gift that to someone, and create an experience during the holiday season with with family and friends. And it's you know an experience that you can recreate uh, for as long as you have that game. So anyone out there who's looking for you know, like a good Christmas idea who they want to get a physical item, they want to give it to someone. I think that's a very meaningful gift, man, is like getting someone a nice game. Like, what about Cards Against Humanity? No, dude, that uh, was fun. Uh, so, so we tried to get that last year for Christmas time, and um, that, that idea got poo-pooed up the, up the chain. Uh, when, when I when I ran it up the chain, I guess uh, they weren't ready for Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> the funny thing is we've played that with some of our audience before. We've yeah. been out on tour, and... All of a sudden, we'll be at, say, a coffee shop across the street from the venue, and then someone recognizes us, and then we'll just break out the Cards Against Humanity, and you get to learn the darkest side of, of other people really quickly in, in that game. So it's a fun way to learn the depths of someone's personality. Well, and it gives you an excuse to like be totally inappropriate. Yes, and uh, without any consequences, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Which is, which is, it's uh, like virtual reality yeah, it's, with cards. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, uh, yeah, it gives you that freedom. The other recommendation, dude, I don't think I told you this. Why? Um, so a couple days ago, Mariah and I went and butchered a lamb. Actually, uh, Mar- Mariah didn't go. It was me and um, uh, Mariah had to stay back and watch her grandmother. So I went and butchered a lamb. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, her uh, her mom and I went to a friend's house, mm-hmm. and 
Um, she was selling whole lambs, and uh, we basically like chopped it up. Now, I I butchered it in this in like the pejorative sense. Um, it was not like nice cuts. Uh, it mm-hmm. was it was it was kind of hacked up. Mm-hmm. But what I'll say about that experience is like we've had a couple meals out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, I appreciate the like the meat so much more, like mm-hmm. putting the work into it. Wow. Um, I, I didn't. I, I wasn't actually there for like the slaughter. It's not like you know we like when we showed up, it was skinned and like all the guts were out of it and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it really. Um, you know, not just helped me appreciate uh, uh, the, the the animal more and where that, that food was coming from, but it was a really uh, just educational experience on, okay, like especially living in Montana in the middle of nowhere, it's like, all right, if I was to, um, you know, hunt an animal or something, like, you know, this is, you know, kind of an idea of how I would, you know, cut it up or whatever. Yeah. But I just, I think there's a huge disconnect totally. with our food. Um, I have like literally, um, you know, I, I've seen instances where someone has a steak in front of them and they're eating the steak and, uh, you know, someone mentions like how, oh, like I, uh, if you like that steak, you'd love the, you'd love the, the steak from the cows that I raise, you know, I make sure that they're grass fed. And then like someone who's eating the steak will look at them and say, you kill those poor animals. Oh my goodness! I mean, there's yeah. just like the, this huge disconnect. It's such a disconnect. You're true. I mean, it's true because we've made getting food so easy in our society. Yeah, you know, because you just go to your the freezer section of your local grocery store and pick out a slab of meat, right? And you have you know you have no idea. And I feel like in order to for me, like in order for me to um, you know eat meat because I just started eating meat. Uh, it was la- it was last year. Uh, beginning of the year, uh, I make sure that I am being as responsible as I can with that food. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a couple of days ago, I took it a step further where, like, I went out and, you know, pretty much, like, made my, you know, participated in making the food, I guess, uh, to another level. But, uh, but yeah, I, I would just, my recommendation is not to go butcher a lamb, but get more connected with your food. And maybe that does mean going out and, uh, like my mom, she took my brothers mm-hmm. out to a uh, pork, you know, pork pork packaging plant, mm-hmm. and she basically was like, "Hey, uh, to my um, uh, little brothers, like, hey, um, this is what you eat. You have to know where it comes from." That's great, man. And uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying like bring your kids to a you know to, to a plant like that. I don't know if that was good or bad. Uh, or, or what? But no, I think it is because it's funny because I started eating red meat uh, this this summer, I guess. Um, again, and it's food is medicine. Like, still over ninety percent of my diet is, is plant based, but uh, I've had to increase my red meat to because I'm anemic. And and so uh, on Thanksgiving we had elk steak. Oh wow! I kept calling it Ella steak, and she was getting so mad at me. Uh, <laughs> it's not Ella steak. <laughs> Are you sure it's not Ella steak? Anyway, um, and, and we were eating it, and she, yeah, Ella is very connected with with nature, especially because her dad is is a fisher and, yeah. and um, spends all of his time outdoors. And um, when uh, Bex was telling Ella that we were going to eat. Elk, she goes, Mom, you can't eat elk until you shoot it first. 
<laughs> like, like she gets like it. She she understands yeah. the whole process, and she she understands you know what it takes. You know to 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 get an animal on your plate, you first have to you know kill it. Yeah. And I think it, you're right. It helps you appreciate the the overall experience. Now, do you want to take a couple of five year old kids who don't have any idea where meat is comes from and set them in in a a factory farm butchering plant? No, I mean that that's that's terrible yeah. uh, and and traumatizing. But if you can condition someone from an early age to understand as opposed to to uh, condition them to think that food is just ultimately readily available like you and I mm-hmm. thought growing up then you because know, even though we grew up poor like food was just it was still available right it was yeah. crap food and but but it was still there man yeah. so yeah uh, that's that that is it was a it was a heck of an experience man it was can't even explain it but uh it totally, I guess, just helped me. I can't explain why. I really can't put my finger on it, but it really helped me just appreciate even more. Like we were eating some lamb stew last night, mm. and it's like, wow! Like there's a lot of work that goes into this meat, um, especially like it being raised, you know, grass fed, finished with hay, yada yada yada. Um, it just it makes the meal that much more enjoyable, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it just keeps me, you know, grounded. I guess there's gratitude there for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's move on to right here, right now. This is where we get to talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. Uh, Great news. We heard you loud and clear. Our documentary, Minimalism, a documentary about the important things, is finally available on Netflix this week. Uh, that this episode is airing. So this will be airing on the 13th in two days on December 15th. Uh, December 15th. Uh, Minimalism, a documentary about the important things, will finally be available on Netflix. Does this mean we made it? (laughs) We made it onto (laughs) Netflix, yes. Uh, If you don't have Netflix, that's okay because obviously it's still available on iTunes and Google Play and Amazon and worldwide on Vimeo. I know in some countries, for whatever reason, certain laws, uh, it's not available uh, on iTunes or Netflix in every country, but it's available worldwide on, on Vimeo. It's also available in North America on DVD. If you're still old school and still have that DVD player hooked up, then uh, we've got you covered. We just hope that you you minimize the film afterward, pass it on to someone else who can get value from it. It makes a great stocking stuffer, but only if it's a used DVD. Uh, also, we're going on tour a little bit next year. We're doing uh, a few small tour stops next year. Uh, We don't have any announcements yet uh, in terms of cities. That's coming very soon. But you can subscribe to our email newsletter at theminimalists.com to be the first to hear about the upcoming events. We're going to do three or four at a time. We're going to bring a simple idea to your city. And together we're going to deconstruct that idea. We're going to talk about that idea. And we're going to listen to you and everything you have to say about that idea. So it's uh, some new material that we're going to or we're going to be building throughout 2017. So make sure you're on our email newsletter. Just go to theminimalists.com and type in your email there at the top where it says email newsletter. Uh, that's about it, Ryan. I'm, I'm doing some traveling this month. We were talking about that before before the, the podcast started rolling. Uh, I'm headed to Dayton soon. Uh, Los Angeles for a long weekend. That's going to be fun. Like Bex and I just have like a four-day weekend without Ella, so we're going to be 
in Los Angeles. No, no public events going on, uh, but I'll be back in St. Pete for Christmas time. We're doing some coffee house upgrades, uh, our coffee shop there, Bandit Coffee Co. Uh, we're doing some upgrades to the shop, uh, to the retail space. And um, I've been playing around with the minimalist city finds on Instagram, posting pictures of like whenever I go to a new city, and um, cool uh, museums or yeah, museums, coffee shops, just indie yeah. businesses, cryotherapy, float tanks, whatever it may be. Uh, just just creating these new experiences in different cities, trying to really catalog a way for people if they go to a, a city like St. Petersburg or Dayton, Ohio, or Los Angeles, to. Uh, have a, a reference of well, here are some places the minimalists like so you can find that over on our Instagram page at the minimalists hope you find some some value in that all right finally here are some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners hi my name is Jessica I'm calling from Las Vegas Nevada I was just calling to make a comment or a suggestion I guess about going minimal with children. I was listening to a previous podcast of yours, and somebody said that their daughter's stuff was driving them crazy. And I just think that a lot of the stuff that our children accrue is through gifts from birthdays and holidays, etc., from grandparents and other family members. So what I've decided to do with my son is he wants to go to Disneyland for his birthday. So what we're doing is we're asking people instead of buying him gifts to get him gift cards to Disney for his birthday. So that will kind of help fund that experience for him. So they're gifting him an experience instead of gifting him in physical toys or physical things. Um, and it doesn't have to be Disney. It could be anything like children's museums or like a live show. A cartoon that he watches is doing a live show here. So that's another option. Um, there's lots of indoor activities for kids here in Las Vegas, um, so they could definitely get gift cards to any type of things like that, or sporting event, a zoo, anything like that. And then you could just send them a picture of your child at the event or whatever, and that will, you know, make them feel good about getting them an experience versus getting them a physical toy. Because it can be awkward for grandparents to make that transition. And a friend of mine was actually saying that she has her child donate a toy every time she gets a new one. So that's kind of another option. You just have to do what works best for your own child and your own family. My name is Lindsay. I'm from Pottsville, Pennsylvania. And I'm calling about your episode on gift giving because I had a response to it. Um, I love your ideas about giving experiences, taking people to events and things like that. Um, and I have a little bit more to add to that. I am a single person who lives at home and I have no children, um, but I have a lot of friends who are married and have kids. And sometimes giving them tickets or gift certificates or things like that to events and experiences can become a little bit burdensome because, you know, like one of my friends has to get an ex a babysitter and that runs really expensively. So one of the things that I am doing for her and her husband for this Christmas is I am buying them um, tickets to go see a show, but then also including with it a little coupon for one free night of babysitting. I know both of their sons and they're super cool and fun to hang out with and they trust me. So it would be cool to get them out of the house. And also they can have faith in me that things are going to go well at home as well. 
Hi, um, my name is Susan. I'm a working mom in Havertown, Pennsylvania, and I have twin three-year-old boys. And I have a great uh, tip that's worked out in terms of uh, sharing minimalist ideologies with my children. I'm sure that I, I know one of you has a little uh, kid in your life, and they grow so quickly out of toys, and there's just this accumulation of junk. And instead of telling them, oh, well, there's kids that, you know, really need these toys, which I don't think it's great to talk about guilt and privilege with toddlers, uh, we'll say, oh, you've really grown out of these toys. What if we um, donate them and we can make more space? And I'll tell you what, we'll get one, you know, big boy toy that really suits your needs right now. And they love that. And both of them filled up a garbage bag recently, and we donated it to the Goodwill. And uh, I plan on doing it maybe every six months. And I'll even say, look at all this extra space. We have to play with Blue or That's Our Dog or Play Monsters or Hide and Seek. And they're all about it. So it's just really worked for me to not do the guilt of, you know, oh, lots of kids need these toys or you're so lucky and you should really um, share. So I just wanted to share that with the other parents out there, the people with little kids in their lives. All right, y'all. That's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalists, give us a call, 406-219-7839. And if you leave here with just one message, We hope it's this, love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Every little thing you think that you need, every little thing you think that you need, Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have You gotta reach for and you gotta grab Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it So tear your eyes